welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here, here with experts, either through the industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Alan Meisner. He is a, a certified personal trainer. He is a health coach, and he is also the host of a 40 plus fitness podcast. Welcome to the show, Alan. Thank you, Ajay. Welcome to the show, Alan. You are welcome to India in this online form. And I'm sure the lessons that we learn about health and fitness is not just help people in India, but a lot of people across the globe. So I want to understand from you, Alan, uh, a bit more about you. You have got so much of, you know, training, sports, Acad uh, National Academy of Sports Medicine, that you have got that training, certified personal trainer, precision nutrition level two, master health coach and a functional aging institute certified functional aging specialist. So, so many qualifications, you seem to be too deep into the health and fitness uh, stuff. So, I want to understand a bit more about your background, where you, uh, was this just, you know, very intentional or you just went into this line after your own understanding of things? Well, I was um, I was a 39-year-old uh, vice president in a company, public company, Fortune 500 company. Uh, so it was like the dream. You know, we all we all aspire to climb the corporate ladder, get into the C-suite, do the thing. And I had done that. Uh, but I was sitting on the beach. I had forced myself to take a vacation, the first vacation I had taken in, in many years. And I was sitting on the beach, and I realized that um, I was not the man I thought I would be. I was unhealthy. I was unfit. Um, I was miserable. <laughs> I was just completely miserable. Uh, there was no nothing good about my life other than my career. I'd given everything to this career. And so I kind of made this decision that I was going to change uh, at that moment. And I, I did a lot of things over the next eight years and kind of did the up and down yo-yo thing that almost everybody does when they start trying to fix their health and fitness because it's not an easy task. And it's particularly harder when you're over 40, which, which I was. So uh, I realized I needed to get more serious about this. So I really committed to it. And a part of that commitment was that I knew that I, because I was traveling so much for work and everything was going on, I couldn't hire a trainer. I couldn't hire a nutritionist. I couldn't hire these people because I was only home maybe three days a month. Um, and so there was really no time for me to visit with all these people. Uh, so I thought, okay, well, the, the next best thing is for me to learn what they know, and then I can apply it. So I went ahead and got certified as a personal trainer, and I did fitness nutrition, behavior change, corrective exercise, went in for functional aging. And as I got into that, I learned a few things. I was able to apply to myself, and I basically fixed my own health and fitness over the course of about 11 months. Uh, it was quite a transformation. Uh, if you go to my website and start looking around, you'll see some pictures before and after and realize that I, I lost a significant amount of weight. I put on muscle. Uh, I basically went from, from looking like a, a fat little blob uh, standing on a beach to being an athlete again. And um, ever since then, I've kind of continued down that path of looking at what my body needs, looking at what my body needs, my health-wise and fitness-wise and all the way around. Uh, I've gotten a few more certifications. That's when I got into precision nutrition and things like that. Uh, I started coaching people online kind of as a sideline to help people 
and then when I got laid off from my high paying corporate job, uh, I went home and I told my wife, I don't like those people. I don't want to go back. Uh, the stress is not worth the money. The stress is killing me faster than I should die. And I don't want it anymore. So I've got to figure out this coaching thing. So uh, my wife and I, uh, we worked on it for about a year. I wrote a book and then we decided that the best thing for us to do is to move to a Caribbean island. Uh, and so we sold everything, sold house, all our possessions, everything. And we moved down to a Caribbean island uh, off the coast of Panama. It's a, it's a Caribbean island that does not get hurricanes. Uh, so a very nice place to live. And uh, we've been here for five years. Uh, I love it. We two years, three years ago, we bought a bed and breakfast. So we run a little bed and breakfast. I do my online coaching and it's a it's a pretty simple life, but it's it's the right life for me. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's the life people keep on talking about, keep keep people people keep on dreaming about, but they are not not able to take action. Forget about, you know, while climbing the corporate ladder, you even lose the ability to, to climb the ladder in your own home and fix a few things because because of weight issues, because of any other, because you cannot stand properly you can only sit on a chair very nicely that's what a lot of work a lot of thought process impacts you know that's why uh, people go on this uh, you can say team building and on outdoor things and meetings they go for mountain climbing and there they find that they are not too much in control and they want to learn something so people who are at around 40 40 around uh, why is it that they don't realize or they realize it or they are not able to take action? So I want to understand what should be, what, how should people look at health and fitness, especially when they are around 40? Is it about, you know, is it about they are too stuck with their corporate job or is it about mindset? Help us understand because you took that leap for whatever yeah. reason. You trained for it. You prepared for it. How can others look at it when they need it most? Because 40 and plus afterwards, it's a different life altogether. Yeah, you know, there's you've asked like probably six different questions in that question, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll kind of narrow it down. The basic just came down to this. Um, I sat there and I thought about why this was so hard. You know, I've done a lot of hard things in my life, really hard things, things that other people wouldn't even think might be possible uh, because so few people do it. But in doing all those hard things, I was like, why is this the one hard thing? Getting healthy and fit. Why is that the hard thing I can't do? I just couldn't wrap my mind. I Maybe it's just my mindset, you know, like you said, that I was just not someone who saw myself as being capable of, of failing if I really wanted to do something. I just wasn't doing it right yet uh, is the way I kind of looked at it. And then that's when it hit me. What was different between this and those other hard things? Because if you've worked yourself up a corporate ladder, if you're moderately successful in business, because most businesses fail, um, you're, you're in the top percentiles. You're, you're a performer. Um, and so what I realized was the one fundamental difference was that I never committed to change. Every other hard thing I ever did was a full on let go of that, burn all the, burn all the boats. If you will know the story, 
of the general who burned all the boats. So his his uh, military had no backstop. They they basically had to fight their way forward because there was no backwards. Um, I had not done that. I had never really burned the boats. I had never really said I'm committed to this. And I think the the core break for me when I did that was realizing that I. I had a compelling why. I had a reason to do this. This was not just a something I want. This was a something I absolutely have to have in my life because my daughter was becoming an athlete. She was doing, she was a level one CrossFit coach. She was doing these mud runs and she called me one night and she said, Hey daddy, um, I'm going to go do, she had, she's 20. She still calls me daddy. She's 31 now. And she still calls me daddy. Uh, but she said, um, I'm, I'm going to do this CrossFit competition. And I want you to come watch. And I'm thinking to myself, holy crap. I'm becoming a spectator in my daughter's life and not a participant. And, and that was, for me, that was the social break. That was the point where I said, okay, I, I refuse. I refuse to be just a spectator in my daughter's life. I'm sure there'll be moments that I will be the spectator, but it won't be because I can't do something. It will be because I choose not to, or it's just not the right time because it's her thing. But in a general sense, it was, I want to be a participant. And so that's was kind of my drive, my why for this whole thing. So I made a huge commitment. And then yes, after that, it was, it was overcoming problems with motivation. It was overcoming problems with mindset. Uh, and I had to, I had to win all those battles for myself because I knew my battle with those two things was very different than your battle. It was very different than any other story I would have hear, any other book I could read. My, my story, my background, my motivation, and my mindset were unique to me, and I had to solve those to be able to move forward. Now, I've, I've worked with thousands of clients since then because I've been doing this, this training thing for about eight years, and I've learned that there are some commonalities to at least give you a, a framework for looking at mindset and a framework for looking at motivation so that you can know that you're doing it right. Absolutely. Absolutely, Ellen. And that is where your book comes in. You have written this award-winning book, The Wellness Roadmap, A Straightforward Guide to Health and Fitness After 40. When did you think of writing this book? And, uh, and who is this book for? Uh, People will learn a lot from this book, you know. So help yeah. us understand a bit about this book. Who is this book for? What have you dealt with in this book? Okay, so if you if you were to go out and do something fantastic and you were to change yourself, to transform, or all of a sudden your, your buddies see you riding around in a very new car and a new house, and, you know, invariably your friends are going to ask you, okay, I want to know the secret. What, what, did, what did you do? What, what did you do to, to transform like this? What happened? And so this was sort of the case. And I had a lot of people asking. I had started a podcast. And I was starting the conversations about what I was doing. Uh, but it just occurred to me that I had learned a lot myself and I wanted to share that. And a book was a, a platform for me to share it. And what the roadmap does is it literally walks you from the beginning of my journey all the way to the end. Now, it's not a story about me as much as it is, like I said, a roadmap. So how do we do this? So earlier I talked about commitment. And so I tell some stories about that and I say, okay, so here's a commitment. 
What is the commit? Why is a commitment more valuable than a decision? What is a true commitment? What does that all mean? And when you get the commitment, it's like you start grounding yourself. It's like, okay, here I am as a human. I have basic desires and needs, and I have a commitment to go somewhere else, a reason to be somewhere else. And I have a vision for what that looks like. Like I said, my daughter was becoming an athlete. I was becoming a spectator. What did it mean for me to be a participant in her life? Well, she was a level one CrossFit coach and she was doing mud runs. So I guess that's what I need to train myself for. So I started doing that. Uh, but it changed everything. It changed my nutrition. It changed my sleep. It changed my stress management techniques. It changed all of it because I was that deeply rooted in why I was doing this. So I knew where I was going. I knew where I was coming from. So basically what I had done at this point was I had set my GPS. And so my GPS was, this is where you are. This is where you need to go. And then the goals that I set were all those little mile markers of how do I know I'm moving forward? Well, you know, your, your GPS tells you drive 100 meters and turn left. And then it says, you know, go another three miles and then turn right. Well, that's what your goals do. All that's all your goals do is say, okay, I'm going to eat this way for the next month and then I'll reevaluate and I'll do something else. But it's just literally just a GPS. That's all you're doing. And then I talk about the, the journey because there's things that come up, uh, plateaus and you know how much exercise should you do and how should you train? And what should you eat? And I talk a lot about that in the book, but I don't get specific. Now, since I've written the book, because I, I wrote the, I started the thought process of the book as soon as I was told that I was getting laid off. So this would have been September of 2016 um, or two, September 2017. I was told I was going to be laid off. Uh, in fact, I had to let my whole group go. This whole department was being outsourced. So um, I stepped out and I said, okay, I have some ideas for a book. I started kind of vetting those ideas and talking about them. I even did like a five five uh, episode series around Christmas time around the concepts that were going to be in the book. Um, so, you know, I hit that on my podcast, the 40 plus fitness podcast, and I rolled out the outline. Basically what I said in those five episodes became the outline for the book. And then I hired a, a writing coach. I hired editors. I hired graphic designers. I hired all these different people to facilitate writing a good book because I didn't want to just have any old book put out there. Uh, I wanted it to be a, a kind of a evergreen resource for people that are looking to get started. And so it's a great book for getting started, but it takes you all the way through the journey and then to the end because so many people get to uh, the golden land. You know, I hit a goal. I wanted to lose 25 pounds. I lost 25 pounds. Here I am world changed and better. And then they gain that 25 pounds and more back. So I didn't want that to happen for people. So there's a third part about that. But that said, since I've done the book, I've worked with a lot more people. And so now this is no longer my story. This is what I've learned of human nature, the way motivation works, the way mindset works. And so it's not just my path. I see similarities and I'm able to kind of group the, group these things together in a way where you can sit down and, and and talk about it and then decide for yourself what's the best way to do something. Right. Right, Alan. So a lot of people around 40, you know, think about, you know, weight, gaining weight because, you know, uh, people close to him start or he himself or she, she can look at themselves in the mirror and find out. And then it, it's impact is also there. You 
are not as quick or as you were earlier on. So how should look people look at this health and fitness journey? It should it be about only weight loss or it should be much more beyond that? Many people say, you know, 40 plus years, that's the golden period in your life. How do people look at the wider picture and not just look at, you know, uh, weight loss? Help us understand so that, you know, they get more okay. motivation uh, for bigger things that are yet to come. Okay, this may or may not motivate you, but uh, I want to tell you a story. Okay, there's this man named Glenn, and Glenn loved to play golf. Okay, so I'll cut to the short of it. Glenn was my grandfather. And so I went to visit my family, and I was sitting in the golf cart with him. And usually what would happen is around this time, you know, day, all the guys are going out to play around the golf. And he would drop me off, and I would go on my way, and he'd go play golf with the guys. This one particular day, he was 80 years old. He didn't go play to golf. I'm still sitting in the golf cart with him as they're putting off. I'm like, well, what's going on? You're going to play golf? And he's like, no. I, he said, my balance is no good. I can't, I can't play anymore. Now, this was a guy who owned a house on a golf course. He had played golf every day of his life, probably from his 20s until now. And he was no longer playing golf because his health and fitness was failing him. Now, a lot of people say, okay, well, he's 80 years old. He's got to hang up the clubs at some point, right? Give them to younger people and move on. Well, he lived till he was 95, which means there was an additional 15 years of his life that he never got to play golf again. And he wouldn't even work on his balance. I, I tried. I'm like, well, let's go to the driving range. We'll work on your balance a little bit. No, no, no. Okay, so he just didn't feel confident that he could do this stuff because he'd gotten to a certain age. So he'd made it up in his mind he couldn't. So he didn't. Uh, flash forward 10 years, he's now 90. He won't even let me come visit. He's staying in a nursing home. It's like an assisted care apartment. And he, he won't even let me come visit because what he's found at this age is he doesn't have the capacity to get up from the couch and make it to the bathroom in time. And he doesn't have the capacity to clean himself up. So someone else has to do it. And he lives another five years like that. Okay. So if there are things that you love in this world, your, your family, hobbies, your job, <laughs> your career, um, you're going to age out of those if you don't do something to prevent that from happening. I mean, a lot of people heart attack at 50 and they're done. Um, but a lot of them, we live unhealthy and, and in terrible shape for a long, long time. So when I'm talking to folks over 40, you're in a perfect spot right now to make sure that doesn't happen. If you love doing things, if you have a, a bucket list for when you retire about how you're going to go and do the Taj Mahal and you're going to go, you know, hike these mountains and do these things. Uh, well, if you can't walk around more than a few minutes, you might get on a bus and see it from the street, but you're not going to actually see it and experience it because you can't do it. So being able to walk, being able to stay on your feet for the time necessary, be able to move around, have the strength and dexterity to do the things you want to do. You want some pickles and the pickles are in the jar and you can't open the jar. You don't have pickles. You're no longer independent. 
you have to wait for somebody to come open the pickle jar for you. And then I'll say this often, and I often get a little giggle out of it. I want to be able to wipe my own butt when I'm 105. And I get a giggle out of it, but I want you to start thinking what that means is most of us that are alive today have the capacity to live well past the age of 105. Uh, Medicine has advanced to a point where they can keep you going a lot longer than you could have gone before. You know, occasionally, yes, the 50-year-old pops out and dies or younger dies and all that. So our average lifespan seems like, okay, it's maybe 78, 80 years old or whatever you tell us, but there are still more centurions on this earth than there ever have been in the history of man. And there will be more 50 years from now when I'm a centurion. So the likelihood you're going to be a centurion is higher than you would ever imagine. And if you are, are you going to want to be dependent on someone up to clean someone else to clean up after you because you cannot take care of yourself? Is that the lifestyle you want when you're older? And, and I don't, I don't, I, I know I'm probably going to live that long because I'm doing the right things to take care of myself. But beyond that, I also want to be independent. I want to enjoy the time. Um, I don't play golf, but I do a lot of other stuff <laughs> and I want to be able to continue to do that stuff for as long as I possibly can. Absolutely. This is motivating. This is indeed (laughs) motivating. And so uh, for those who get motivated or who are motivated enough, they think about how do I begin this exercise thing, you know? So if you are 40, 50, 60, how do you begin these exercises? Sometimes people say, go and join a gym. And and then that becomes a mental block or a uh, thought process problem. So help us understand how do they look at exercises? at whatever stage they are in. Okay, there's a there's a Japanese proverb uh, that says, um, uh, thought without action is a daydream. Action without thought is a nightmare. Okay, <laughs> so every everything you do is gonna start in your head, okay? You've gotta get the right frame of mind to make this happen. And the problem is, that we look at motivation the wrong way. Uh, We expect motivation to come to us. We say, okay, well, I'll start on Monday. You know, we're recording this or we're live here on a Tuesday. I'm gonna gonna start on Monday. So (laughs) to heck with the six days between now and then. Um, But I'm gonna start on Monday. And then they wake up Monday morning and they're like, well, I just don't feel it. It's cold outside. I don't wanna do this. I don't wanna do that. So they go back to bed (laughs) and they don't. And yes, maybe they're intimidated, intimidated a little bit by the gym. So they don't join a gym. They don't know what to do at home. So they, they just don't. So motivation is not something that just shows up. Motivation is earned by doing something. And when you start to understand the math of that, it makes, it'll make a lot more sense. So I want you to imagine that there are, there are two types of two major types of motivation. There's in extrinsic motivation, which is something outside of you. And there's intrinsic motivation that's inside of you. Now, within each of those, there's two layers. The first layer is what I call leader coach. So on the extrinsic outside side, you could hire a coach. The coach will teach you what to do. The coach will guide you and you're going to be accountable. If the coach is asking you to do something or is in in some cases going to be there physically with you, you're going to do the work. So that's accountability. It's extrinsic because it's not you, it's the coach, but you had to do something. You had to hire the coach. Now, another way is in a social scene where you have group and peer 
and you go in. And so peer pressure is not always a bad thing. It can be a good thing if you've got the right peers. You know, we do masterminds for our businesses. We do. So getting the right people around you can be huge. And so what we what we do then is we join a group. So this could be, I'm going to do a spin class at, at the gym. And so I start showing up for the gym spin class. I meet people. It's exciting. It's fun. They're there. I know they're going to be there. I'm motivated to be there and I'm accountable to the group. And so I have this external motivation. So you see the external is mostly built on accountability. Other people are involved and I'm accountable to them. Okay. Then on the inside, the intrinsic internal, uh, I also have leader in social. The leader is self-management. And this is when you say, I'm going to work out on Monday morning and I'm going to set my alarm half an hour early so I can get up and do some calisthenics in the morning before I get ready for work. And so you set your alarm. When the alarm goes off, you don't push the, the snooze button. You go ahead and get out of bed. That's you being the boss of you. You're the CEO of your health and fitness, and you're making the decisions. This is what we're doing tomorrow. You got your clothes all ready. You got your alarm set, and you do the thing. That's self-management. It's a part of, as the intrinsic piece is, self-efficacy. I want this. I'm doing this. And that's just management. That's where people will talk about discipline and grit and doing stuff. That's the boss. That's the boss in you saying, do these things. Okay. That's harder than having a coach that tells you to do these things. Uh, it just is. So there's a, there, it's harder, but it's more powerful. And then the, probably the most powerful one of all of these is the social intrinsic and internal, which is when you turn this into values and habits meaning you identify. So if you know someone who starts running, initially when they start running, they hate it. They're like, I can run a little, I walk a little. And then, you know, they sign up for a race, they do the little race, it's cool. And then eventually they're signing up for races all the time. And they actually start thinking of themselves as a runner. They identify as a runner. And what do runners do? They run. <laughs> Okay. So they set their alarm in the morning, they get up, they put on their sneakers. It's raining. It's like, no, I don't care. I've got a race coming up. I've got to train for, and they go do the thing. They go run. So that's intrinsic and social, and that's the most powerful, but it's also the hardest. And how did you get there? Well, they got there by running. They got there by a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit till they're running and they feel good and they're doing the thing. They get excited by the races or however they measure their, their performance and then they consider themselves runners. It happens across a lot of different things. It could be CrossFit. It could be weightlifting. It could be yoga. Um, any of those things that you would choose to do as a fitness approach can become a part of your identity. You can do it with a group, again, and that keeps you accountable. And you could hire a yogi, a coach, or, or a guide, and that's going to be keeping you accountable with some leadership. And then you, as your own self-managed person with Full self-efficacy is managing yourself to do this. And when you have all four squares of that quadrant filled, you've got accountability, you've got self-efficacy, you've got it on multiple layers, and it's a no-fail formula for motivation. But it didn't happen on accident. Every single one of those required you to do something first. Right. Right, Alan. There is much to learn about health and fitness and uh, a lot of people can learn a lot of things from you, apart from your uh, certifications and experience. You also have a 
podcast, which is the largest and longest running health and uh, fitness podcast for people over 40. So tell us about this so that, uh, you know, people can learn more about health and fitness from your podcast. So the 40 plus fitness podcast was something I, I, I came up with when I realized that there was nobody else talking about this. Everybody talked about that. People talked about health and fitness, but they pretended that a 40 year old is the same as a 20 year old. But we have a lot more chronic problems going on. We've been very unkind to our body for a lot longer. Um, and if we try to do the same things that a lot of 20 year olds do straight out of the box, um, we're going to break. And I had lots of stories and experience of, of that as well. And so I thought, okay, I need to present information that's relevant to a 40-year-old plus and help them make the right decisions for themselves. So I do some solo shows, but most of the show is designed around interviews. I will find the best experts in the field that have typically just written a book. I read the whole book. And I pick out the most important details that are going to help you be successful right off the bat. So every show is just chock full of just beneficial nuggets of things you can do to be successful. And this is from the top, you know, brain trust in the field of health and fitness because I'm interviewing people across the realm. Uh, so not every show is going to appeal to you. You might not care about um, menopause. But I can tell you, if you have a woman in your life who's in her 40s or 50s too, you're going to care about menopause pretty soon. Because uh, if she's going through it, you're probably going through it at some level. And so the more you know, the more the more you're able to help. So I have topics on there that affect mostly people over 40. Uh, and we talk about it in that vein, even though some of my guests wrote their books for uh, a different form of audience, like they expect, you know, the hard charging guys that are going to go really hard. Well, I just basically tap that down and say, okay, some of us are going to be able to go hard. Some of us aren't. So how do we know and how do we manage this? And so we have those kind of conversations across the board. Uh, and I do one episode per week. They come out on Tuesdays. Um, and uh, I've been doing this for eight years plus, uh, I think 626 is the episode that's going live the day we record this. Um, so a lot of episodes, a lot of information, great resource. Uh, that, the book, The Wellness Roadmap, uh, and then my online training with my Facebook community. Uh, those are the core ways that I try to get the message out. And I, I've actually challenged myself this year to something kind of a little crazy. It's my big audacious goal. It's built on how I'm wired, which is to do hard things, have hard things in front of me and do hard things. And so what I want to do this year is I want to help a, a collective of people, I want to help people lose a total of 10,000 pounds. Okay, now that's obviously not going to be just a few people, <laughs> but there are going to be people who can contribute a lot to that number. Right. Uh, but I do want to I do want to help people lose weight. Uh, I've created a free Facebook group. Uh, so you can go to 40plusfitness.com forward slash club uh, if you want to join that free Facebook group. And there's some accountability from me. There's check-ins. Uh, but this is just a good way if you want to do that feel kind of almost two of those little boxes we talked about, the extrinsic. If you want to join a group that's like-minded and everybody's trying to lose weight and support each other, this is a free way for you to do that, is to become part of this group. Uh, I'm involved as, a, as the coach, so there, I will have some interaction with it. It's not one-on-one -on -one stuff. It's not deep stuff. But if all you feel like all you really need is just a little bit of accountability, 
uh, this is a great resource. So you should check that out. Wonderful. And for those who want to uh, get coaching from you, learn more about you, what is the best way for them to connect with you? Well, the best place is 40plusfitness.com. And so if you go to, and it's 40plusfitness.com. So the 40 is, you know, the number and then plus has to be spelled out to 40plusfitness.com. Uh, there you'll see my training uh, page. And then I also have links to the podcast, the book, um, and I'll have a, a link to the, um, to that club I told you about the 10,000 club where I want to help people lose 10,000 pounds this year. Wonderful. Wonderful. With this, it's a wrap on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much indeed for joining us. Thank you, Ajay.